This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. My name is Logan, and that, of course, means you are listening to another episode of the Crowncast. And I'm getting used to saying that really, really fast. What I'm not getting used to saying is how excited I am to be talking about the football. And uh, there's a good reason for that. The football has not been great. Those of you who know me personally know that the football has been bad across the board and here to really just be down and bitter and sad about the football being bad is Josh. Hello, Josh. Hey, Logan. Uh, You know, I I make jokes about that, but like really this last like two, three weeks of football for everyone involved with the crown cast, even you in has just been like getting kicked in the teeth. Would you agree that it's roughly that level? I would. Usually it feels like when, you know, one of your teams is down, there's another one that's doing okay. And over the past couple of weeks, um, regardless of the league, it it really hasn't been going that way. (laughs) No, no. It's it's one of the the few times this season that I have almost just looked at football and been like, meh. I'll do that later. <laughs> like, like, I don't want to. I don't want to have to think about it. I don't want to have to worry about it. I don't want to have to to it, it engage in this at all. Um, but of course, then I always do my thing where I'm like, yeah, but what if we did this, right? <laughs> I, I don't know how football has this power that no matter what's going on, it just like has a button that it hits, and it's like we're just gonna reel Logan right back in, buddy. Um, it's annoying. It's annoying, but we are going to take today and do a little bit of breakdown about the uh, Colorado Rapids match, the 2-2 draw. And uh, I think the first thing I'm going to come right out and say here is uh, this is two points lost. Would you consider that fair? Yes. Coming into this game, if you had offered me a point, I probably would have taken it. After the game, I am disappointed and I do not feel good about the point that we actually earned. Yeah, and I think it's one thing that we can really reach out and say is that almost irrelevant of performance. We're reaching the point with this team that results are all that matter. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that performance isn't good. You know, I have the, the theory, the theory that's not mine that I stole from a professional head coach that, you know, good performance, good, uh, good process is like a flywheel that keeps the team moving when you're not getting results. I don't see good process. I'm not really seeing great performance Mm. when we're not getting results. So in the end right now, even if we had blown this team off the pitch, even if we'd looked at Colorado Rapids and we had passed them in circles and we had a hundred million shots on target. And even with just everything below saying that we were winning this game, by leaps and bounds and we got super unlucky, it still hurts. It still feels like two points lost. And that is part of the result of not playing well. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's, let's go ahead and hop into it. Uh, I think that we probably have a fair amount of discussion on the first goal for uh, the Colorado Rapids. We have said this before and I guess we're going to say it again. This team does not defend particularly well running backwards. And so I'm going to talk about this one. We have, I've chosen to talk about this one because in my previous thing to watch out for, I was talking about, I wanted to see how this team would defend. I wanted to see that at home in the bank, 
against a quote unquote, get right team that Charlotte FC would defend in a way that was intelligent, that made sense and was effective, right? I want to know that Christian Latanzio can put together a defense. Spoiler, didn't see that. But what I did see is it was very clear that whenever we had one fullback, right or left back, push up the field, the other one was dropping in and the two center backs were shifting to whatever side of the field needed space, right? So if on the right, Harrison Awful went up, uh, Adilson Milanda would shift right, Bill Tuiloma would shift into the center, and then Joseph Mora would drop back in and sort of become that back three. Vice versa, if uh, Joseph Mora went up, then we would see Bill Tuiloma shift to the left, Adilson Milanda would become that, that central piece, and we would see Harrison Awful come back down to the right side. Didn't work, in my opinion. <laughs> there, were, there were some things about it that I, I like seeing a back three there. I think that it was an attempt to, to create some, some good ideas. Mm-hmm. And well, what, it, what it left us with was a responsibility for Derek Jones or Brant Bronico, depending on who was there, to cover the center just above the defense. And when that wasn't happening, whoever was in the center of that back three would have to step out of the line and do what I call go fishing, right? They have to create that two levels of defense and go and either slow the play down or win the ball. In this particular instance, Bill Tuiloma steps out and goes fishing and he makes a mistake. He goes to ground he does not influence the play in almost any way, shape, or form when he goes to ground, and he's taken himself out of the play. At this point in time, and I'm going to rattle off a lot of mistakes at you, so everybody get your pen and paper out. At this point in time, to the best of our knowledge, Adil Simolanda is the one who should be holding the line. He should be the line setter. If he's not, I have many, many more questions, so we're going to hope that he's supposed to be the line setter here. <laughs> Uh, just the amount of liberty I'm taking with what it should have looked like should probably tell you that this was not the most organized play. What we see is Bill Tuiloma take himself out. And then we see Joseph Mora on the far side drop off the line. And we're going to talk, and I'm probably going to let Josh talk because I think he's got some good opinions on this, about why that's a mistake, but it's not killer, uh, although it does be part of what kills us. What kills us is Derek Jones is step in step with the attacking midfielder coming through for Colorado Rapids and just gets run by. Just absolutely gets left behind by the Colorado Rapids player moving up into the center of the field. It is a good touch past Adilson Milanda, who, because of what has happened with Bill Tuiloma, is now two on one. Um, it's hard to put a lot of, of weight on this on him. It's a good pass by him onto an on-running defender who was not tracked by a Charlotte FC player. And unfortunately, this on-running uh, attacking player is being played onside by Joseph Mora, who is worrying about the other guy behind him. We get into a classic 2v1 going up, and at that point in time, you can almost set your watch to the fact that it's going to be a goal. Like it's these, these patterns of play when you get two V one against a keeper are, is almost always a goal. And so the, the meat of this goal, what really went wrong 
is a series of bad defending mistakes that unfortunately we just keep seeing. And specifically we keep seeing them when the team is running backwards. Josh, you want to get in on this? Yeah. I think that this goal was a death by a thousand cuts, right? When, if you're trying to assign blame to, you know, the players, I, I don't think anyone gets an overwhelming part of it. Um, I, I do think that Derek Jones is probably the most culpable. Um, but, you know, you look at, you, you mentioned Joseph Mora. There is a moment where he, you want him to step up so that when the ball from uh, number 11 on Colorado is played forward, uh, the guy who is running onto it is off. It happens so quick that I'm hesitant to be too upset with more about it. It's something that I want to see, especially from a 30, 31 year old defender who has been playing in the MLS and internationally for, for years now. But it's also something where sometimes that happens. Sometimes you don't get the offside trap correct. He's also looking and saying, I have two guys that are about to be running into acres of space at my goalkeeper and I'm the last man to defend it. So I don't want to get too upset with him, but I do think on a on a team that is going well with a defense that is connected and going well, I think you see a guy step up in that situation rather than falling back. But you also probably don't see Bill Tuiloma going to ground. You don't see Derek Jones just letting a guy run past him. You don't see all the mistakes that that go into this goal. Um, and I think that's sort of the most frustrating part about this is that we've talked sort of all year about these goals, some of these goals that happen, they're not just one mistake. We have had individual errors, but a lot of these goals have been a number of mistakes, and that makes you a little pessimistic. At least it makes me a little pessimistic because you can't say and sit there and go, well, if we just change this one thing, because you end up going, well, if we change this one thing and the second thing and the 17th thing, then maybe we don't allow as many goals. Yeah, in my opinion here, this is just bad defending. This is what bad defending looks like. This is what a bad team looks like. And it's really harsh to say that sort of out loud and into a microphone, but at some point in time, it needs to be said. This is how teams get ripped apart, right? And yep. we, do, we do our best to, to analyze it and, and look for ways it can be better, but sometimes we just have to acknowledge this was bad. Bill Tuiloma, bad move. There is an argument that can be made. Christian Latanzio sets up a bad defensive system. Uh, Derek Jones, running back, does not track his runner. Bad defense. The the line, which at this point in time, the defensive line, I assume, is being set by, like, uh, one of the fans on the sideline, like, with a flag being like, set the defensive line here. Like, it, it's never a clear line. Uh, the defensive line is not good. Either it's supposed to be on Joseph Mora or it's supposed to be on... Adilson Melanda, from my perspective, it looks like Adilson Melanda should be having that responsibility there. But whoever has it, it's not good. And they run through us the way a bad defense gets uh, run through and scored. So it, it's, not a, it's not a highlight for Charlotte FC. But I do think it's fair to say that we did have some highlights in this game, and we can spend a little bit of time talking about those. Josh, do you want to talk about Charlotte getting their first goal? Yeah, so I mean, in reality, we do a good job of of 
coming back from this. I think that Colorado score in like the 53rd minute, somewhere somewhere around there. Um, we score in the 62nd, and and it starts with a really good move by Harrison Awful. Um, I know there's a lot of talk, including on this pod, about where our fullback should be. But in this instant, Awful has tucked in. Um, he's playing like you would expect maybe a central midfielder to. He receives the pass, and he takes a really good touch around a Colorado defender. Um, but not only that, he holds off that defender. He shows some good strength. Uh, Karol Swiderski is sort of jumping out of Harrison's way and so doesn't really see the pass that Awful lays off to him. He doesn't know much about it at first, um, but when he finally does realize that the ball has drifted his way, he has some good reaction. Um, I am of the opinion that Karol Swiderski, when he sticks out his toe, is going, is trying to get this pa- this ball to Enzo Capetti, who is inside the box. I think he wants to do a little one-two with Enzo, where he gets it to him and he continues his run into the box. Uh, a Colorado center back gets a foot on it. The ball bounces out to an onrushing Carolyn Vargas, and Vargas does what is sort of becoming expected, I think, in some ways, when he is around the box on his right foot that that kid can just place a pass into the back of the net um and this is outside the box there is no setup for this there's no touch he just hits a great ball into that bottom corner past the goalkeeper and really you have to say things all of a sudden i mean i can tell you in the supporter section things felt good all night but things really changed uh, after that goal, it really brought some new life into the crowd. Um, but overall, I, I think a lot of uh, credit has to go to Harrison Awful because his drive through that center of the Colorado defense um, really makes this goal happen. And it's to be honest with you, it's not something we see a ton of from our our midfielders. Yeah, I, I also want to heap the praise on Harrison Awful because I'm one of the people who has often commented on what Awful cannot do. Same. And. I think it is only fair that if you're going to highlight when someone has struggles, you highlight when they do something amazing. If you have kids out there that are are learning to play football, that want to get into football, and they look at you and say, why is my first touch important? Show them this clip, right? Harrison Awful has an absolutely incredible first touch. He does everything every coach in the universe has said. He plays the ball into space. He takes the defender out of it with his touch, and then he pushes his way forward into the midfield to create danger. Now, I will also say that I think that um, Carol Swiderski had about the same level of knowledge that that ball was at his feet as the average person does when they excitedly find $5 in their pocket. Uh, But... (laughs) He, I do think he, he had a good reaction when he found the $5 in his pocket, right? Um, there's a little bit of luck. I do think, like you said, he's trying to get it off to Enzo Capetti. There's a bit of luck that it squirts out to Kerwin Vargas. But that, in my opinion, is luck earned by yeah. Carol Swiderski for his reaction to finding $5. It is, it's luck earned, and then it is luck taken advantage of by... Kerwin and I want to to give him his flowers as well because we did not give Kerwin flowers in the post react almost everybody else got flowers Kerwin did not and I, I want to take this moment to do this it is calm it is collected it is cool it's from the top of the box 
And he just does what he's done in practice a hundred times over. And you know what? That scores goals. If you think this particular skill is easy, watch Carol Schwederski. Carol Schwederski cannot do this regularly. And I'm not trying to kill Carol here. If Carol had this one touch, super calm, pass it off into the back of the net ability, he'd have 25 goals for Charlotte so far. This is hard. This is a Mm -hmm. difficult skill, and the best of the best in the world have it. Kerwin is starting to look like he has it. And so I want to make sure he gets his flowers for accomplishing something that is very, very difficult. Final thoughts on Kerwin before we push along? Yeah, I would just say for any of uh, any of the FIFA players out there, to me, Kerwin Vargas has that like five star right foot. Um, <laughs> I I think that his right foot is the best foot that we have on the team. And what I mean by that is I, I think his left needs to be a little bit better. But anytime he can get the ball onto his right foot into dangerous areas, he the the curl that he puts on both shots and crosses. Um, he puts in some of the most dangerous crosses that we'll see on this team. He puts in the most dangerous shots. I wish we could combine his right foot with Carroll's left, um, because that would be a, a hell of a player for us. Um, but I will just be satisfied that we have his right. Yeah, really, really, really good uh, move from him. And I think we can talk about another good move from him into Charlotte's second goal, which comes relatively quickly after. You want to talk about that one? Yeah, so, um, yeah, I think it's the 64th minute or so, so just a couple minutes after the first goal. Um, Vargas, again, uh, integral to this move as well, um, receives the ball on the the touchline. He cuts inside, and I think that this pass will get overlooked, but I think it's a really good pass. His pass into Karol Swiderski splits two Colorado defenders, but it also has to beat a third defender who is coming over to try to intercept the pass. And what this means is that he has to hit it firm, very, very firm into Carroll's path. And he has to hit it accurately. And he does so. Um, and when that ball gets to Carroll, Carroll takes a bit of a big touch. But I think he can be forgiven because, again, there is a lot of pace coming onto it. What Carroll does well is he puts it into the space that has been vacated in the box. Um, and he puts a really good floated ball to the back post. I don't know that he's really trying to pick anyone out. I think this is just one of those scenarios where you know what you're supposed to do from training, where you know if you're in that position, float it to the back post, someone should be there. Um, and Camille Ujwiak is there. And Camille also does a really good job on this play when you watch it because he finds the space by sort of turning his defender a couple times. He makes an inside run, he falls back, and he's just created space where his defender loses him for just the briefest of moments, and it allows him to get a really good run on the ball. He has a great header down. I think that this is also an overlooked skill to get that ball down because it's really hard for a goalkeeper to to deal with that ball that's low and then bouncing. Um, And all of a sudden, Camille Ujwiak, who couldn't score at all has two goals in three games um and it's a really really exciting thing to see yeah he looks like he's starting to light up which is good because charlotte fc needs needs a couple people to start lighting up yeah. um 
I do. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna utter this, and that is I do have some concerns that we are starting to fall down the trajectory that continues to spiral downward. Um, Josh, I'm gonna ask you. We have seen defensive problems in this team where people don't track runners back. Excuse me. Specifically, we have seen a lot of trouble out of that with Derek Jones. Seems to be really good when the ball's in front of him. Seems to have real struggles when he's running back towards our goal. Is there an element here for you of, I'm not really feeling Christian Latanzio's system. I don't know that he, the, you know, the players may be thinking, I don't think this guy's going to continue to be around that long. Maybe I don't put the extra 10% in. Maybe I don't risk getting hurt in this tackle. I'm not saying, is there an element of, of down tools? But is there maybe an element of this doesn't look like it's going the right way? Maybe I protect myself for a reset? I'm I'm not quite there yet. Um, I, I think that this team is still playing hard. I think it also helps when you have players like Karol Schwederski, Brant Bronico, um, Juzwiak, even someone like uh, Enzo Capetti for all the flack he gets. I think he, I mean, he runs, right? We have a number of players who I don't think you necessarily ever really question their efforts. So I think that this helps this. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, I'm not seeing other guys, though, um, you know, trying to to go out of a tackle or not running hard. I, I think that this team is trying, and, and I think that has to be, I think that has to mean that they haven't given up. My one concern is that I don't think we're handling adversity very well, and that I think is a little bit on the manager. They have to be able to set up a team to where when things don't go right, the heads don't drop. And I do see that happening. And yes, I know I'm talking about that when we came back from a 1-0 deficit in this game, but there just seems there just feels to be moments in every game where something doesn't go our way. And I, I look around and I see heads dropping. And I don't think that they're quitting on Latanzio. But I, I guess maybe you could wonder whether they're questioning the ability of this team to come back and get those three points. Um, so I don't think we're there yet, but you know, it, it is something that I think is, a, is on the horizon. So I'm going to lead that into this next question. That is, Latanzio's seat looks hotter and hotter, seemingly with every passing moment. And we see, specifically, I talked about the fact that I'd be looking at the defense in this game. Mm-hmm. We've covered that to an extent. I don't think it worked amazingly, whether that's just because the players haven't had enough time to get into that defensive shape and know it by heart yet, whether it just got picked apart really well. Um, there are some other questions about Latanzio, one of which you have a question about the subs in this game. Do you want to talk mm-hmm. about the subs really quick? Yeah, so, you know, when I when I look back on the subs, I, I know a lot of people were upset with them because they we, we got put into a, a back five, basically. And Latanzio came out and said he wanted that sort of defensive stability that a back five would bring because he thought that we were having some issues. Obviously, I don't know that that really worked. I, I think we ended up more in a in a situation where we were inviting too much pressure rather than being more defensively solid. But I guess my question is, when I look at that, my thought is always, is that Latanzio making the error going back five, taking away the momentum, so to speak? Or is that a player error where 
they are professionals. They should know, you know, how to play in sort of that system. Have they not done their jobs to to set up shop and and stop that equalizer? Because I do see from Latanzio's point of view of we need three points. Let's let's set up shop and get those three points. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, though. So my thoughts are many, diverse, and somewhat <laughs> terrifying. Um, I have I have respect for some of the things I see here. So let me give you an example because that's that's something that I, I feel like everyone can connect with. We were getting outrun. Like nobody can deny the back line was getting outrun. Mm-hmm. Um, Joseph Mora and Harrison Awful are not fast. Bill Tuiloma is not fast. Adilson Melanda right now is not looking very fast. Mm-hmm. Right? We were getting run through. And Derek Jones does not provide much speed. And I'm hoping that what he's providing is not much speed, not not a lack of willingness to cover. Mm. But that defensive midfielder slot is not covering the speed needed to keep our you know center of the pitch safe. He does kind of address this and say, look, we have the lead. Let's cover some holes, right? Let's put in Jalen Lindsay. Let's give us a little bit more speed. Even if Jalen is a little bit less defensively structured than Joseph Mora, um, Jalen gives us a bit more speed, so still potentially options going forward. And then we're going to change it to a back five so that we can maybe cover for a little bit of that that deficiency in Jalen's play. I like that, right? All, all that makes sense. Here's what I don't like. Then the, the team drops off and parks the bus. Right from that moment on, there's no real try to go out there and play. If you look after this moment, we are just giving up the middle of the pitch on like 66 minutes or something. There's a, a moment where uh, I cannot remember. I think it's Harrison Awful because at this point in time, Harrison Awful has switched over to the the right because Harrison Awful plays literally every position on our team apparently. And Harrison Awful goes up, loses the ball, gets beat. And a runner from Colorado Rapids just runs straight into the middle of the offensive middle pitch right above our 18. The same one from the first goal, too. Yep, same one. Just runs straight in there. Runs right in front of Derek Jones. Walks right by him like he wasn't there. And there's no one in that middle of the pitch. Uh, Absolutely no one. And he gets a, a, a screaming shot away that Marks does a great job to save. And this space just causes us to collapse. We give up that top of the box and, and we are just constantly under pressure from them. It, it seemed like instead of using that switch to go play and shore up some of the defensive challenges he'd had, it just became everybody is inside of our 18 and we're going to leave anything outside the 18, take shots from range, do whatever you want to do. I mean, I think they hit the post from like 19 yards out with a screamer that no yeah. one is even really looking to block. Is that right? Yeah, I can't remember the exact... I do remember there was a one that hit off the woodwork, and and you're sitting there going, oh, no. Yeah, so, uh, you know, Carol Sodarski comes out for Nathan Byrne. Like, there are things here in which I go, okay, that makes sense. 
And then I watch it happen and I go, but why are you doing this? And those of you who are familiar with this podcast will know that's not new. This isn't, it's, this isn't like the first time I've gone, okay, you did something that makes sense. Why would you trash it that way? <laughs> uh, it's, it's starting to become an old story and it's starting to be one I'm tired of reading. I'll be really, really honest with you. Uh, yeah. I'm tired of seeing potentially good ideas turn into bad process. Mm. Do we want to move on to when they finally crack us open? You, you yeah, want to I talk just, about the Marx one? I, I, well, I just really quickly wanted to say on, on Karol Schwederski too, because I've seen a lot of angst about him coming off, um, which part of me gets. But here's the thing. Karol Schwederski this year has played a full 90 once, and that was the opening match. He has not gone the full 90 since then. I don't know whether that is a fitness issue. It doesn't feel like it is one to me. To me, this feels like a when Latanzio wants to make a change, for whatever reason, Schwederski is one of the first, whether it's to shore up things defensively or to try to change things offensively. So I think moving forward, it's something I'm going to be keeping an eye out, but I'm not sure that we should be expecting for those who said, you know, bringing him off killed our momentum. I don't know that we should be expecting him to stay on for the full 90 because he really has not been doing that this year. Yeah, it's a really good shout out. Um, let's go ahead to their next goal. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and say this. This is literally George Marks dropping the ball. Like, yes. literally, literally, figuratively, everything else we're going to talk about this goal is uh, the sprinkles on top of the Sunday at best. Uh, there, Derek Jones actually does run back on his player this time. And gets ahead of the play. And essentially is stepped off to the right. A, I'd call it a very good ball over the top, but it's not a great ball over the top. It's an okay ball over the top. That structurally is defended well. If we go back to the Bill Tuiloma own goal, if you listen to that podcast, you'll hear me say, the structure is good. The process of defending is good. Bill Tuiloma just jumps at the wrong time. And very unfortunately, it results in a ricochet that can't be predicted and goes in the back of our net. But the, the process was good. The process of this goal was not bad, right? Derek Jones gets back into position. For one of the very few times, we have an organized back line that is in a line. And one person that I, I think comes out looking really bad in this is Heron Awful. And I actually think Harrison Offal does a really good job. Harrison Offal is against an incredibly fast, very speedy winger. And he is 36. Josh, is that right? Yep. He is 36. So unless we are expecting him to be able to, you know, conquer father time, he's not winning any races. This is not new to anybody. Okay? He leaves enough space on that side. Wow, I feel like I'm being really nice to Harrison Awful all of a sudden. When did, <laughs> when did this happen? He leaves enough space on that side that he has that man covered. Yes, the pass out to that guy sh would be relatively simple, but if a pass goes out there, he is, he's close enough, he can go pressure it. If mm -hmm. a ball attempts to go over the top, he knows he's not winning that race. So he gives that space up and says, if you go over the top, you're going to have to hit it into a position that George Marks should be able to come and claim it easily. Yep. Like, yes, you're going to win the race, but you're going to win the race to nothing because I have spaced myself appropriately. 
well done, Harrison Awful, big check mark, love mm-hmm. it. That that looks like an un, a thirty six year old who understands the game, yep. right? And everything happens exactly <laughs> as the plan foretells, and George Marks drops the ball. Yep. And this isn't the first time we talked about it on the post react that there was a goal that was a bad decision coming out of net from him in the last one. This time he comes out of net, he fumbles uh, the ball in his area and fumbles it straight down to the opposing player. And it is a wide open net and it is another game. And if I sound like a broken record, it's because this team looks like a broken record. It is another game where we freely gift a goal to our opponents Mm -hmm. and it has to stop. Um, Josh, you want to, you want to get in on this? Yeah, I, I will. I will say this. I we, we talked about this a little, you know, uh, off mic. But for me personally, I want Derek Jones to do more on this goal. Um, that is not me saying that I believe Derek Jones is at fault for this goal. In my opinion, Jones makes this squad because of his defensive prowess. We don't expect assists from him. We don't expect goals. We don't necessarily expect progressive passing. Right. We expect him to break up the play. He does a good job of getting back. He does a good job of slowing the guy up. What I want to see, and maybe this is harsh, and I will admit it probably is, but what I want to see from Derek Jones is that next step where he actually makes the tackle, gets the ball off the guy, or where he fouls him. We're in the 90th minute. We are terrible in transition. We have been all year. (laughs) Foul him. Take the yellow. It's the 90th minute. Get your defense set back. Um, to where the ball is in front of us because that's apparently the only way we can defend and let's fight another day again i'm not putting the blame of this goal on Derek jones this is just more something that i wish had happened um and then with george marks i mean i'll be completely honest that's a professional goalkeeper has to make that catch a hundred out of a hundred times i don't there's no way you can excuse him for that in my opinion just point blank period that is a horrendous mistake he's a young goalkeeper i hope that it does not i'm not saying it should ruin his career or he should never see the pitch again but that is a bad mistake that has literally cost us two points um and i think george marks would tell you that he has to catch that ball 100 out of 100 times and i'm not sure what happened because he's not even particularly pressured physically in, in a physical space by either awful or the Colorado def- uh, attacker. There, there's space between. It's not like he has to be brave and dive at a knee or a leg or something. He just takes his eye off of it, is what I'm assuming happens. Um, and it was an incredibly disappointing end to this game. Yeah, I'm going to come out and say it. Um, George Marks not only needs to do better, this is, this is the beginning of real bad for George Marks. Mm. It needs to change. Um, I will explain why, because I think that's important. If you're going to say something like that, it needs to have backup. The The kiss of death for keepers is a regular fumbling mistake. Mm. It does mm-hmm. not matter. I mean, a I will take someone who does the the regular stuff every single time with no mistakes and is a very good shot stopper over a world-class shot stopper who once a game makes a mistake that gives the team a goal, Mm. the other team a goal. I'll take that every single day. Every single team in the world will take that every single day. As a keeper, you get two of these mistakes all year. I'm serious. You get two of them a year at the highest level. He's had two two games. 
Mm-hmm. And that doesn't that doesn't even talk about the fact that in the last couple games he's had problem with problems with clearances, right? The mm-hmm. little stuff, the simple stuff. If you're going to clear the ball and you're not confident in it, smash the bejesus out of it into the stands. <laughs> no one cares. Yeah. What you cannot do is try and like carefully pick a pass and then scuff the ball to your opponent. Cannot do it as a keeper, right? If you yep. want to be a keeper who is really, really good at distributing and you show that you can do all the easy stuff, time in and time out with no mistakes for two years, and then you make a mistake and pass the ball to the opponent because you tried to split the, the the offensive line to create a counterattack once, yeah, everybody forgives you, mm-hmm. right? But on just a regular clearance, you have to get it out. And, you know, maybe you could argue that you're you're worried about the the tabloids saying well he can't hit he can't distribute the ball but believe me the tabloids are going to get a lot worse (laughs) if you're fumbling the simple stuff right and this this hurts george marks Mm -hmm. i mean again we're not killing the guy he is a world-class i'm convinced reaction stopper Mm -hmm. his twitches his twitches yep twitch saves but you can't do this you have to be able to do the simple stuff right. And if I'm George Marks right now, I am just buried in training, right? Mm-hmm. Anything I can do that goes back to basics. Forget all the fancy stuff. Let mm-hmm. Adilson Melanda marshal the line. Just absolutely back to basics because he has greatness in him, but he's mm-hmm. going to have to not stumble over the basic stuff to be great. Mm-hmm. And I think people are starting to see that those basic mistakes come out final thoughts here before we move on. Yeah. I, I just want to somewhat quickly talk about, I think the, the grace that has been given to, to George Marks on this goal, because I've seen a lot of people surprisingly not killing him for this. Um, almost to the point where it's sort of been forgiven already. Right. And, and I haven't seen this idea that he's cost us two points. I want to first and foremost say, I love that. I love, I think there's space for us to criticize players fairly and and, and react when they have uh, mistakes that cost points because that's part of sports, that's part of fandom. I also think that it's a great idea and, and a position to have where when those mistakes happen, you don't jump to conclusions, call the guy terrible, say he should never play again. What I'm confused about, though, is the grace that George Marks is getting compared with some of the other players on our team. I look at Bill Tuiloma, who, after the own goal, some of the rhetoric around him and and whether he should be playing was ridiculous. I look at Enzo Capetti, who already people are saying is terrible, a terrible signing after eight games, but they were saying it after three or four, right? I think back, and this will be controversial, but I think back to last year in one of the early games when Mackenzie Gaines had the infamous non-layoff pass and tried to shoot and missed it, and everyone came out and said he cost us points and he should never play again. And I am not seeing that same reaction to George Marks. In fact, I'm seeing others being blamed more for this game, including Latanzio, including Awful, for some reason including Capetti, and that is something that I just don't get because I think I think we should support all players equally in the sense of you cannot like a guy, you can think that he is bad, but I just don't understand how anyone can look at this 
this game and this match and think that George Marks is not the reason that we lost two points, because in my opinion, that is. Yes, Latanzio's tactics come into it, individual errors come into it, but at the end of the day, it was the 90th minute and we were leading 2-1, and George Marks had a simple ball to catch at the edge of his box, and he did not do it. Um, and at the professor, professional level, it has to happen. Um, I want us to move forward and give the same treatment that George Marks is getting basically to all all of our players where we criticize fairly and then allow them to come back. Um, but I just haven't seen it happen in the past. And, and that confuses me because this game really did kind of kill me. I, I thought that I thought we had the three points in the bag. It took my brain 10 seconds to process that he hadn't caught that ball. Um, and and I think it's just sort of an unfortunate thing all around. But I do think we're starting to see cracks in George Marks. And I hope that this does not kill his confidence. We talked about that as well. Uh, after the Salt Lake game, this is another thing where hopefully he comes back stronger from it. Yep, we have we have to hope he comes back stronger. Um, and, you know, we we talked in the preseason about the fact that Christian Kalina might not get his space back if somebody comes in and really does a great job. And uh, looks like right now Christian Kalina still has a, a chance to to get back in and and Absolutely. take back his space in in between the two posts. I'm going to move us along here. And I am going to ask you to reassess the season. Um, in the beginning, say in the beginning, early on, we did yeah. a panic meter. Yeah. And I think it's, it's fair to reassess it. Credit to you because you're the one who, who brought this forward and said it should be reassessed. Mm-hmm. So since you brought it forward with this team, what is your panic rating right now? I am at a, I'm at a nine with this team. Um, early in the season i i felt confident that we were going to settle basically that we were going to find the ability to um get guys in the positions that they were supposed to be in they were going to adjust to latanzio's tactics you were going to start to see better play right now we're not seeing better play i have not seen a full 90 minutes I've not seen a full, I'm not sure I've seen a full 45 minutes of this team playing good football from the time the whistle goes off until the time it sounds again. And that worries me. It worries me that we sit 14th in the East. It worries me that we still cannot score goals. It worries me that we're giving up silly goals all the time. Um, We, I want to say we have time, especially now that there's nine teams that make the playoffs. But I really look at where we are now, and it's very hard for me to have confidence, especially since we've just gone through some of our easier games and we're coming up on a schedule that is really, really tough. Um, I mean, it starts this weekend with Columbus, but after Columbus, we have teams like NYCFC, Atlanta again, Nashville, L.A., Philadelphia all coming up, and it's becoming harder and harder to see where the points are coming from based on how this team has played through the first few games. Yeah, I'm going to jump in and tell you I'm at an 8 out of 10. Um, I'm not optimistic. Uh, Previously, the things that gave me optimism, I said, I feel like we have young players in positions that could come in and potentially solve some of the problems in this team. Mm. You know, we have people like Hamidi Diop, Mm. right? Uh, We have people like... um, uh, ben Bender wasn't necessarily in the team at that time. Uh, we have people like Adam Armour who 
you know, is an original member of this team and, and hasn't really seen the field. And I envisioned the dumb stuff going away. Um, I said, it's a professional football team. We didn't see a lot of this dumb giveaway of goals happening last season. I mean, we mm-hmm. gave away a couple, but not, not one sure. a game to a game. Right. <laughs> and it's not going away. Right. Yeah. Jane Lindsay's gotten his chances and he's done some good stuff, but he hasn't, his presence alone hasn't made the the mistakes go away. Mm-hmm. If you look at the the defensive midfield position of this pitch, it, it seems to be either a a middling middling, not really good in any area, or it seems to be a superpower in one area with huge flaws in the other. Mm. If you look at the attacking side of this pitch. Uh, I will say I'm a little bit more down on Enzo Capetti than you are, I think. Um, Mm. Enzo Capetti has done some good things, but considering kind of what we expected from him, he needs to start producing. He has one goal. He has two. Um, He has two? He has two. Oh, he has two. Um, So He's leader, I believe. Maybe maybe tied with Vargas, but... (laughs) He he has two goals, right? (laughs) Uh, and that again, not to say like he's done, he can't make it. I'm just saying right now he, he, no one is out there going, man, Enzo Capetti was the best signing ever. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ben Bender has come back into this team. He's done some stuff really well. He's had clear flaws in others. And I don't see the mistakes going away now. And Mm -hmm. that is, that is ultimately on Christian Latanzio to me. These mistakes. Yes. Some of it is down to the players. But a lot of it, I think, lays on Christian Latanzio. And the, the road to better days is uphill now for Christian Latanzio. Yeah. And we will see whether or not it's a, it's a hill that can be climbed. Um, let's, let's potentially move on to how, in theory, we could climb mm-hmm. that hill. Um, I'm, I'm going to start really, really quick. And I'm just going to say there's some news out there about Jack Byrne, uh, an Irish player. Uh, from the Irish national team, uh, potentially very skilled midfielder who the club is linked with. We don't know whether or not he's actually coming in. This is kind of just hearsay right now. Mm-hmm. We have looked at him. My opinion is he's a 26-year-old version of uh, Ashley Westwood, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but in theory, we have Ashley Westwood. So <laughs> the fact that we are going and signing a 26-year-old version of Ashley Westwood probably tells me that there's some other stuff not great about the club, whether that's Ashley is, you know, whether his injury is bad enough, he's not in the picture long-term, whether they believe that Nuno just isn't getting it done, whether they believe that, you know, it's time for some of the other offensive midfield options to, to move along. The fact that we're going out and looking for another offensive midfield option begs a lot of questions. You want to make any comments on this real quick? Yeah, it, it, I don't know much about about him. Um, everything I've seen has basically been he has talent, but there's also been all, a history of injury with him. Um, I know we were also linked to him, I think, back in like 2021, like originally. These links really come, I think, from the fact that Latanzio worked with him when he was at Manchester City. Both of them were at Manchester City. I, again, I look at this squad and I go, he seems an attack-minded or more attack-minded midfielder, I'm begging for a left back in a central in a and a defensive midfielder. So I'm just sort of 
it's another one of those signings where you go, is this what this team needs? But who knows? Maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. Maybe he comes in and is an all-star. Um, you hope for the best. But again, to me, it's a it's an odd connection. Yeah, uh, I think it's the sort of thing that if we get more data on, you know, if this becomes more real, we will do some deep dives on him and let you guys mm-hmm. know what we think. But for now, that's kind of our thoughts. Let's move on to the Columbus preview because uh, we have definitely another get right game where we're playing just one of the worst teams in the league. And we could definitely go and get some points out of this. Is that is that correct, Josh? Yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, Columbus is a bunch of nobodies. They've been nobody all year. Actually, I wish I could say that. But Columbus, I think, has the chance to be one of the better teams in the league. They already kind of are. Um, but this team has serious firepower, which should really scare everyone. Um, both of these teams, oddly enough, have they want possession and they both have 56.3% of the possession each game. And that is where the similarities end. Uh, Columbus has 18 goals on the season. It's double what Charlotte has. It is second in the league behind only St. Louis. Um, They've only allowed nine goals all season. Uh, They thrashed Atlanta uh, 6-1. They are an impressive offensive team. And what really scares me is I don't see a way where we keep them out of the goal. I don't see us shutting them out. And so that begs the question of if you if you think there's a way to three points, how do you have to outscore them? And that's kind of a terrifying thought to me um, because I'm not sure that we have the ability to do that. Yeah, you know, I've just done a brief overview of this team and they have nine goals against, like you said, which with the exception of a couple teams in the league, Nashville, most most notably, mm-hmm. who's only allowed four. Um, that's one of the best numbers in the league. There's one New York Red Bulls is only allowed seven. Yeah, uh, their their goal difference is a plus nine to our goal difference of a minus seven. And both of those numbers are terrifying. Um, Unfortunately, this looks like a very complete team that has a very good offense and has a very good defense. And (laughs) I think that they're getting Charlotte FC at a relatively good time for them, not necessarily a good time for us. (laughs) Uh, I think a positive we can take away from this potential matchup is that I don't think anyone's going to expect Charlotte FC to do anything in this match. It's, It's a bit rude to say it, but if you go back, I can't remember what movie it was. There's a great, great movie out there where there's a, a, a coach and he looks at his students and he says, nobody expects anything from you. Surprise them. Right. Mm. This is one of those games that, yeah, the odds are pretty heavily against you. I think the positive you can take away from this is you could go out there and make a statement. Right. If you beat the worst team in the league, it was right now two of the bottom teams in the league duking at it, and one of them came out on top. If you go out and beat Columbus, it's a don't forget about me statement. And yeah. I, I think that the the coaches, the team, the players need to look at this as a don't forget about me statement mm. because maybe that gives them that little extra edge to go out there and, and prove the pundits, prove, prove the statistics wrong. Um, yeah. I, I ask this every time. Where where are our goals going to come from? How are we going to score on these guys? You know, I, 
I mean, I honestly think that transition is going to be key. I, I just don't see a world unless Columbus wants to let us have possession. But again, they're a team that, that doesn't do that. I don't see a world where we can have it over them with, with players like Lucas Zalarian and Cucho, who should be unfortunately back, or at least there's a good chance he'll be back. Darlington Nagby, Aiden Morris, they have the players and the talent where I think they're going to possess the ball. So if you can set this team up to counterattack, we've talked about it before, um, about, you know, Enzo does seem to do decently well in a counterattacking system. Um, we do have speed on the wings. Uh, I think maybe that is the best route. I don't see a world where we keep the ball for 60% of the time and pass through these guys. It doesn't seem likely to me. So if we could set up in a way where we're <laughs> very defensively sound, which hasn't been happening, but you know, if there was ever time to turn it around, it would be this game. Um, and then try to hit them on the break because you do have guys like Cucho and Zolarian who don't necessarily want to play defense um, and they're not expected to. So, you know, maybe you hit them a, a couple times on the counter, you get them nervous and, and you and you sit in in a correct way rather than what we saw against Colorado. Yeah, I think what I'm going to do here is I'm going to move along to my uh, stuff. I'd like stuff to watch things to watch for this match. And it's kind of been a it's kind of been a down couple weeks of football so forgive me if if what i am saying sounds a little bit down i think what i'm going to be watching for this match is whether or not the players believe mm. um there's a there's a difference between meeting a team sort of of your level right mm. now and going out and playing like you deserve to be there and meeting a team that looks like they have it together mm. and i want to see whether or not the team looks like they intend to go play Columbus. Mm. I would rather see us get thrashed 4-0 with a team that looks like they went out there believing to, that they can and should play these guys than see us get beat 2-0 by a team that looks like they just want to be on the beach. Um, I, I think that's sort of a, a position where I want to see the drive from the coaches. I want to see the drive from the players. I want that team to show me and the rest of the fans of Charlotte FC that they are a club that wants to be great. Um, and on that, uh, I think we will start to wrap it up here. Any final thoughts for you, Josh? No, I will be at the bank. I will be hoping for the improbable, improbable to happen. Hey, last year we put four uh, past Philadelphia and they were literally the the best team in the East and arguably the best team in the league. So crazy things happen in, in football and that's why we watch. Yep. Uh, and I will go ahead and take us out of here. Thank you so much. If you have decided to spend your time with us, we love you. And if you'd like to follow us, you can find us online at groundcast.net where you can find all the amazing stuff that Josh does. And yes, I'm going to keep hyping Josh up. You cannot stop me. And you can find us on Instagram at the underscore crown underscore cast on Twitter at the underscore crown cast. And you can always find us right here on Wednesdays and for the post reacts. So uh, we will talk to you again after we go and take our next three points from the Columbus crew. Goodbye. Queen City Podcast Network.com.